All right. Welcome back, everybody. We have a special uh, podcast interview today, and I'm very, very excited to be introducing a new guest. This is uh, Coach Lisa Steele. She's the head coach of Paul the Six High School Girls Basketball. I want to welcome her to the podcast. How are you doing, Lisa? Hi, great. How are you? Um, just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for what you're doing for the game. Um, I think it's really good to support, you know, our community. So I really appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you know, um, just watching your team play. We were talking, you know, I, I'm a big, big fan of the of the style of basketball and the players themselves. I think you run a great program. I think this is going to be a really great interview. So uh, let's just get started. So why don't we talk about, you know, where you grew up and tell us a little bit about your family. Um, so I'm from Erial, New Jersey. So right in South Jersey, I'm on the uh, Gloucester Township side of Sicklerville. And uh, my family, you know, athletics runs in our blood. Um, my dad uh, grew up, he was a, a great basketball player, you know, played, scored a thousand points over in Lansdowne, uh, Pennsylvania, and played summer leagues with Phil Martelli and Joe Jellybean Bryant. So he really ran in some great basketball circles, but he was a better baseball player. And um, he played at Temple pitched in the Kyle's World Series, played minor leagues for the Phillies. Um, kind of met my mom. People don't, I don't know if anybody knows the movie reference, but Freddie Prince Jr. and Summer Catch. Um, he met my mom traveling in a baseball tournament and her family hosted him. So my uncles played baseball. My dad played baseball. My mom played athletics right around Title IX, you know, so she kind of got to compete with her brother and his friends all the time. And then my sister was a great player as well. She played at Timber Creek, 1,000-point scorer herself, and then she played four years at Brown, Brown University. So we're kind of all around. We're all into sports. That's fantastic. So why don't we just get right into, like, high school? Because, you know, we were talking to Coach uh, Sam about uh, Highland and this great team and you know, little did I know, I, you know, he's like, yeah, this one player, Lisa Steele, I'm like, you know, I'm connecting the dots here because sometimes I'm a little bit slow. I'm like, Lisa Steele, Paul the Six? Okay, here we go. So now it's just kind of a good transition from coach to, to players. Let's talk about Highland. Um, Highland was a phenomenal experience. So I met Dan again, my coach, when I was eight years old. And I thought I was in trouble at camp because he pulled my dad aside. But it really was to tell him um, I was a pretty special player and that he wanted me to play. Um, I grew up watching Michelle Matazowski, who played at Triton and then later on Duke. So I just fell in love with the game. And Highland, I played with my teammate, Danielle, who we were soccer teammates from the age of seven all the way through. So we grew up together. We were in all of our honors classes together. We basically spent every high school day from the morning until the end of practice together. Uh, senior year, we were blessed with our, our AAU teammate, Charnay Zoll. Um, just by the way things happened, she moved in with her aunt who lived across the street from school and we were 22nd in the country. You know, we always, we were always good. We went 21 and eight, 28 and one that uh, senior year, but we were, you know, our most amount of losses my whole career was like four games in one season. And, um, great coaching. I played for, you know, Jay Seth was on our bench as well. So phenomenal coaching, phenomenal teammates. We, we went and played different people from Maryland to PA to North Jersey. So it was just a great time to play. And South Jersey basketball was deep. Um, our class, I was a 2000 point scorer. Langhorn was a 2000 point scorer. Katie Klein was a 2000 point scorer from Pennsville. Um, Sabre Rice from Riverside, 2000 point scorer. So that was all in the same graduating class. Wow. That's amazing. So why don't we talk a little bit about, yeah. you know, the, the team itself and, 
you know, the kind of, because we, we talked a little bit before the pod, uh, the podcast started, like, mm-hmm. I guess, who you had to go through in order to make it for the States. Mm-hmm. And it, it seemed like, you know, the competition was even crazier, at, you know, across the state at that point. Yeah, so the survivors of group three, we're gonna basically win the tournament of champions that year. We were ranked 22nd in the country. Um, we won a sectional title against Woodrow Wilson. We beat them by 38 points. They, the following year, just after graduating one player, they won the tournament of champions that in 05. So that's how good, you know, they were. Um, but we handled them, you know, um, in Pac Gym. It was really fun. Like Charnay made a girl fall and that was, <laughs> but um, then we had to go through Willingboro. And Willingboro had Crystal Langhorn, who just grad, uh, just retired from the WNBA. And they had three other Division One players who had phenomenal careers at, in their own right. Um, and then when Willingboro, and they were ranked, you know, in the top 10 in the country, then Shabazz was even better than that. You know, they had two WNBA players and they had four power five Division One players. And that was just group three. So we lost in the state semis that year, but... It was loaded. You know, 2004 was a really good year for basketball. Candace Park nationally, it was Candace Parker, you know, Sylvia Fowles, like girls who were, Allie Quigley, girls who were still in the WNBA and making all-star teams. Wow. So what do you, what does it feel like, or what does it mean to you knowing that you came out of South Jersey um, and you represent basically our community when you're, when you're going on to college and, and now that you're coaching, like, what does it mean to be in the same community that you grew up in? It's, you know, it's funny. I never anticipated this. I, I thought I was going to go and, and, and kind of go out on my own and South Jersey would always be my roots. But then when I was gone, it drew me back. Um, Jersey is just a great community to live in, you know, being, I love the city. So I'm 20 minutes from Philly, two hours from New York, two hours from Baltimore. So it's just so much to offer. But when you think about the game, same thing. You know, I played for the Philadelphia Bells and I practiced at Gustine Lake every in, in um, over by Maniunk. And then we went up and played the New York Liberty Bells. We went down and played Fairfax Stars. There was so much access to great basketball, great competition that it's unique. And I think, you know, when the community comes together and kind of really band, like our team was from all over the place and we all kind of went to our own public schools and it created a lot of parity and it just created a good product. It was fun to watch. You know, when the men come to watch our games, you know, you know, you're doing something right when you're getting respect from everybody, not just the women. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So, you know, you graduate from Highland and tell us about, you know, the process of you going to college. So how did you decide that George Washington was the place that you wanted to, you know, play your next four years and, and you wanted to study? And you wanted to, to be with those coaches. Like, what made that really stand out in your mind? So I, um, so academically, I wanted the best of both worlds. And I was blessed. I was recruited by a number of great coaches. Agnes Baronado, who has Gloucester Catholic roots at Pitt. Um, and then St. Joe's um, had some South Jersey roots. So GW actually had um, South Jersey roots. The head coach went to Father Judge High School in Philly. And they had a uh, young lady who was similar to my game and she was going to the WNBA and she was graduating. And I saw that. Um, and then my second choice was Harvard. Um, you know, I'm kind of, you know, it's, it is what it is, but I, uh, I wanted to be in the sweet 16 and not a 16 seed. I knew I wanted to go to a city campus. So all the schools I looked at were in, in cities and the A-10 was perfect because we played a national schedule. We were nationally ranked every year. I played there two sweet 16s. 
Um, and then we got to come home and play in Philly all the time. I was always drawn back to home, LaSalle, Villanova, St. Joe's Temple. Um, that's when all of us were in the same conference. So all of those factors. And then it's just a great academic institution. So I, I kind of got a little bit of everything when I went there. Well, you said you love cities. You know, what really did you really enjoy about being in Foggy Bottom uh, in, in DC? <laughs> what did you enjoy there the most? The, the cool, you were in everything. So I lived four blocks in the White House. Now the, you know, and then I, um, my three mile runs before I got stress fractures, I would come out, I would make a right out of my dorm. I'd run right past the state department, which I could see from my dorm uh, around the reflecting pool and back. That was my work. That was a three mile run that I went on. So, and then I could walk to Georgetown. Um, but the coolest moment was in 2008, my fifth year, Barack Obama got elected. And just the campus, we were politically active. Everybody ran to the White House just cheering and excitement. So, you, you know, being in DC, you're, you're just around such a cool place of the country, you know, and it, it was really special to be a part of. Just, just in case you're wondering, the only reason why I knew it was in Foggy Bottom is my brother-in-law who's in the Coast Guard, he went back for his master's and he moved to DC and the Coast Guard sent him to George Washington uh, for his studies. That's the only reason why I knew that. So we stayed in. Oh, I was going to say, I was impressed with that. that I was good. actually amazed because I think where our hotel was, was across the street from like the Ritz Carlton. Yes. And we didn't see it. Oh, the Marriott. Carlton. You were at the Marriott then. And basically, what was it like four or five blocks across the bridge and you're in Georgetown. And I yeah. mean, that area is just, I mean, awe-inspiring. It's just, just amazing, you know, like you're in the yeah. heart of everything. There's just activity. There's life. Um, there's history. Uh, and, and the yeah. diversity of culture too. I mean, the different foods and, and just, yeah. it's just like the United Nations uh, right there in DC. So I can imagine why yeah. you really enjoyed it and why you loved it. Yeah. So can you tell me like, uh, and tell the, the podcast a little bit about what it was like to play at George Washington, um, you know, being from South Jersey uh, and, you know, and why, and why was it important for you um, to represent South Jersey uh, on the court uh, at GW? So um, I had a unique experience and I love to tell my story because sometimes girls go, get so swept up in comparing to others and, and how much playing time and starting and points. I went to GW and I got a stress fracture right away in my, in my foot. It's actually the foot that Embiid dealt with when everybody was wondering why can't Embiid play yet, you know? Um, my navicular bone. And then that turned into another stress fracture because, you know, I was lucky. My coach really thought I was a good player. So we rushed back. I got a second stress fracture. So then we, I got shut down and redshirted. Then um, got a cortisone shot. Thought, you know, everything was good. And, uh, you know, playing Purdue in Texas in the Bahamas, I, I couldn't really walk. I was in a lot of pain. Collapsed on a rebound. I got the rebound but um, collapsed on a rebound against the University of Texas. And I, I came home and found out I had three more stress fractures. And if my navicular was gonna break again, my career was over. So my career was up and down personally, but my team just was so great. And even though I could only practice like an hour and a half a day, which, you know, if you don't practice, you don't play, but I was still playing the last minutes of games. I was in for free throws at Purdue. I was in and hit a game winner at Auburn. You know, I was one of the few players that played zero minutes and had two points in an overtime win against Texas A&M. My teammate got fouled, she got injured, they subbed me in, I made the free throws and then she was okay. So they subbed me back out. So 
I could have transferred. I could have tried to go somewhere else. I could have been like, tried to be the big man on campus, but I wanted to win and I wanted to be something bigger than myself. Um, and I think, you know, doing that, I can come back to South Jersey and say, hey, like I was a part of th this experience. You know, I was a part of this where I grew as a player. I grew as a coach. I can come and bring value back. That's not the player who went on and scored points and went to the WNBA. That was the goal. But, you know, you break bones in your feet. You can't jump anymore. So um, it really meant a lot because I think I can offer a lot of value to all players in South Jersey because I had that success as a player, but then I also had that adversity as a player. And I, I learned and grew as a woman, a young woman and, and adapted. So I could be a part of something bigger than myself. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And I think, yeah. you know, in the grand scheme of things, it really is important that you pursue that academic, um, yes. that academic aspect. Like you talked about how you're in honors classes in high school, you, you mean, if you're picking between GW and Harvard, obviously you're a high academic player as it is. So, you know, academics is really the most important thing. And it's really that backup. And I think a lot of people don't choose places based on academics. They choose it based on sport. And when the sport's no longer available to you because of injury, then what are you left with? You're at a school where you're not going to be happy academically. And now it causes a lot of, you know, challenges. So I think you know, maybe in hindsight, you realize that you really picked a great place because you had a great experience for your time that you're in GW, part of a winning culture. I mean, you got to be in a, a magical city um, with a lot of, you know, nightlife, um, diversity, a lot of, you know, just just culture. And I think you learned from that and you got that being away from home experience, too. So when you come now back to South Jersey, you have a greater appreciation for, you know, life here. Uh, and, and what it's and what it's like. So, all right. So you graduate from GW, and what's your next steps? Like, what did you do next? So when I got injured, I realized I had to sit on the sidelines a lot. And my coach was a phenomenal. So I played for some amazing coaches. Okay. My AAU coach got me interested in coaching because he was just an X's and O's wizard, Brian Creech. Um, and then my other AAU coach was great at putting a, a championship team together. But my college coach was a phenomenal practice coach. We were going to win games before the games even started because we were just so prepared. So I, um, I work collegiate camps. I coach AAU as a college player, and I went right into becoming a college coach. I was um, an assistant at Mount St. Mary's University in Maryland, um, much different from the city. I was living in the mountains at that point. Uh, our backyard at one point is Camp David, so you can't go further in the woods because there's a fence. But um, so I coached there. I actually got my MBA at the same time, uh, just because I, it was, they were paying for it. You, they can't take your education away. Your, your, everything could go away. Your physical abilities could go away. But if you have education and credentials, you're going to be able to get hired and you're going to be able to have that financial freedom to, to live a life that you want to live. Wow. That's fantastic. So now yeah. you're coaching at Mount St. Mary's and then, yeah. so let's go into your, to your coaching resume now. So, you know, was that your ultimate start was the AEU and then at Mount St. Mary's? Yeah. So I, I did the AAU and then I knew I wanted to become a college coach. So, you know, your first job is not what you know, it's who you know. Right. So what I did was in college, I, I called like all the people that used to, I kept good relationships with those who recruited me. So I went down to Vanderbilt and worked their camp. I went to JMU and work camp. I went to St. Joe's work camp. I went to about like nine universities and worked summer camps. 
and volunteered at most of them, but I got the experience. So when I came out, I, I, I'm, I networked um, at Mount St. Mary's. I, I was offered uh, a, another job and a mid major, but I, I still had a year left in my master's and I, you know, I made the choice to stay. Then I got hired at Wagner college in New York. Um, and, and then from there, that's when I, I decided, you know, to make that transition into coming back home. So I got my start kind of just, you know, building those relationships and now, you know, they still are valuable to this day. I think that's the one thing that I, I, I see, you know, through this podcast is the relationships, you know, because yeah. really if you go on Twitter, there's a lot of people from South Jersey, other teams are like congratulating teams. They're, you know, yeah. they're recognizing other teams, players, they're pointing out not only their team, but uh, other other people that they're competing against. And really, we're just a community. And I think that that leads to networking later. Um, yeah. So really, for you coming back to, to New Jersey, this is a great opportunity because now you can speak to the next generation of players who are going to, you know, be going to, to college, who are going to want to play, uh, who are looking for places. You know, maybe they would want to ask you for your advice and, and what you would recommend for them. And then because a lot of times these girls are, you know, 16, 17 years old, and they're trying to decide. And the one thing I am noticing now is the transfer portal, portal, excuse me, is getting so full because people are picking yeah. these programs and either they're not getting the playing time, the coaches change, um, yes. or they change their major. So now they can't stay at the school that they're at because it doesn't have the major. So there's all different kinds of factors um, that are playing into it. And it's very rare now to see a player come in on year one and finish at the same school. You know, for those people, yeah. those are the ones that are the most dedicated, uh, either dedicated or they made, you know, the most educated choices um, coming out mm -hmm. of high school. So that's something that you can speak to. But coming back to South Jersey, what made you make mm -hmm. the switch to coach high school? I um, so I when I, I moved, I, I, I evaluated everything I wanted, you know, and South Jersey, just moving back home was was the best, you know, Uh the best decision. Um, and then I, I just love basketball. I'm a hoops junkie. You know, I, a big part of going to GW was Red Auerbach was an alum and he said, Hey, come to GW, play basketball and then go to Harvard for grad school. You know? So I, I, I appreciate just the history of basketball, the game of basketball. I grew up with my, my dad's a temple alum, grew up watching John Cheney, Pepe Sanchez, Eddie Jones. So I just love the game. So when I moved home, I wasn't giving it up that was not an option. And how I did it was I just stayed involved. Again, I got involved with um, AAU. You know, I, I grew up in the Bells organization. Um, you know, at PVI now, I like to support all the programs. But when I was, you know, moving back, they, they helped me get on my feet in terms of just having a place to coach. Um, I really helped out with the three young ladies that were at Newman Goretti, the Nigerian girls. I was kind of with them for a full summer, um, driving them around, working them out. They would come over to Timber Creek and work out in the mornings and then go back to Philly. Um, and then I actually got to help out for a year at Timber Creek. And then throughout that year, I had a few people contact me about jobs, but in my, in my, you know, career change, it wasn't the right time. And then, uh, I got a call in May. And from Janine Delaney, who played coached at Clearview, and it's just a great resource. And Janine said, "Hey, PVI needs a coach." They interviewed people. They didn't really like their candidates. They're doing a second round. You should go. And I, so that was a Wednesday night. I had my interview on Friday, and I was hired on Monday. So it, it just kind of happened really fast. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So now that you've coached at different levels, AU, 
high school and college. Can you talk a little bit about what the difference, uh, it, what the difference is as far as players and what the difference is as far as coaching uh, those different levels? So I, I started out ultimately at that college level. It's different because they're on scholarship, they are living there and they are also adults, they're 18. You, you don't have to deal with parents. You don't have to talk to parents. Obviously you are coaching somebody's baby, you are taking care of them. So obviously it takes a village. But when it comes to, you know, I'm not happy, I'm not getting the ball, or I'm not, there is no parent interaction there. Also, you can push those girls a little bit more, you know, essentially, you know, you, you, you run their schedule, you kind of dictate what happens in their life, and then they make their choices with their free time. So that was a big adjustment because moving to high school, they go home to their parents, you know, they're not reliant on you outside of practice. They come and they spend their time with you in the gym and then they have supportive families at home or they have support systems at home. So now, you know, when you're coaching them, they go home and that car ride, it might be the same message. It might be a different message. It might be a similar message, but with them at the center. So that is the big difference. Also working with young ladies who are in high school, you can't be like, you have to kind of be like mom, you know, it's, it's a different way. Like you're like, kind of like mom with your college players too, cause you embrace them. But these are developing young ladies. You know, I teach brain science in my classes at Highland. Um, I teach a seminar class and the brain is still developing to that age of 25, but the formative years in high school are just so much different emotionally, emotional IQ than it is in college. So working with these high school players, I really had to learn the lesson. I can't, I'm intense. Like I'm very, I played for all men in my life played for Dan Getigan. You should hear stories about him. I played for Mike Flynn. I played for Brian Creech. Joe McEwen used to, when he tore his patella tendon, he got so mad at us. He threw a crutch in the stands. So I had this fiery background um, that I had to tone down because I took a little bit of all those men and really funneled it into coaching. But I realized, especially when I had a daughter too, I realized, all right, I'm, it's a different approach, you know? And then the AAU, coaching the high school was fun because you're coaching phenomenal talent. And then I coach the babies. Now I have like the fifth, the sixth graders. And now it's like, okay, it's like the fundamentals, but that's, that's what I love. That's, that's the piece of the game. I really discovered. I, I really lo love doing the footwork, all the little, little things. So yeah, it's cool. It's, it's different. Yeah. I mean, you figure you get, it's, I mean, if you, if you compare it to life, it's like you get that, like that crawling stage, and then, mm -hmm. you know, you have the walking stage and then you have like the running stage and that's your yeah. AAU, your high school, yeah. and then your college. So you've gotten to appreciate all three. And I think knowing the end piece, you can go back and start to develop the AAU yeah. players skills better. So they're, uh, you know, better at the different levels, which is, which is fantastic. So yes. can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you enjoy the most about coaching? Yeah. So first and foremost, I love the girls. I love the relationships I build with the girls. Um, it's lifelong. And I develop with them and their families at the high school level. It's an investment with the families. You know, I know some coaches say, I don't talk to the parents at all. And for me as a program, it takes a village. It takes a village to, to raise a child. So there's a support system. It's not just me coaching them. They need the support of 
of all. So seeing their growth and kind of becoming a part of these families, you know, I have a, a young lady, Aaliyah Stevens, who started with me. She's coaching with me now, you know, Simone Small, who started with, she's coaching with me now. But the funny thing is like with Aaliyah, we have our virtual Zoom sometimes. Her, her mom is popping in like, where's the baby? You know, like I just build these relationships that are meaningful and they, they, they're genuine, they're authentic. So that's like a big thing that I, I really love to do. But then the other element is that is I absolutely thrive off competition. I, I'm so competitive. You can't even like the girls, Hannah Hidalgo would tell you, cause that kid's competitive, but Hannah couldn't even last with me in the alphabet game in the car riding to New York last year, you know? Um, so I think, and I, it's funny, I think that comes from my mom like my mom actually, we had like an old balance beam when my sister did gymnastics, like the floor ones. And she pulled it out. She's like, oh, I pulled it out for my daughter, Sarah. So Sarah can start working on her motor skills so she can like be ahead of the game. I'm like, seriously, but competing. I love that about coaching. You show up for 26 games at least and there's an end result and you win or you lose. And the preparing for that and preparing the young ladies um, but then, you know, it comes full circle, like when you're in that preparation and when you're in those trenches in the battle with your girls, you develop a bond with them that will last forever. You might not be the best of friends when you're older, but you can always call. I mean, I still talk to some of my high school teammates and, and it's always just a, like a, a good connection, a good interaction, a good feeling that you always go back to, um, because you share those moments that the moment of competitive, um, competitiveness. Wow, that's pretty cool. So why don't we get into your like yeah. philosophy, your coaching philosophy and your coaching style, and, and then we can talk about the history of uh, Paul VI. Awesome. So yeah, so I am... Um... So being, being, I always say the players are going to be in the best position to succeed. You know, I always want to put them in the best position on the court, but now as I've grown, um, as a coach, it's not just the best physical position in the court where like, if you're not, I was never good coming off ball screens. So I would never coach Lisa Steele to run off ball screens, you know? So I look at that element, but then my philosophy now is put them in the best position to succeed after so that college exposure. So put them in the best position to succeed for exposure to play at the next level and their talent. So they, they have success on the court. Um, and I, I meet the kids if they want it. If they want to be pushed, I've had 7 a.m. workouts. You know, Naomi Pierce is a testament to that. Naomi Pierce was a young lady who played for me. She grew like a weed. Um, she was very awkward, like a baby deer. And she showed up day in and day out her summers, um, sophomore and freshman year, 7 a.m. with me three times a week. She's now a division one player. So um, putting the girls and preparing them that for that, um, I try to coach them like why things work. I don't want them to be robots. You need to make decisions on the court. So it's teaching them exactly like how something works versus just what to do. You know, like I don't want you to run a Villanova spy spread offense where you have to curl cut in every screen. What is that teaching you? You know, um, cause you're going to go to college or the next level or become a coach or do, and you're going to have to make decisions. So, you know, I'm committed to putting the girls in the best position to succeed. I'm committed to developing the fundamentals and I'm committed to making ball players, not making robots. Yeah. It sounds good. I mean, so. the whole, the whole uh, philosophy of, you know, to me, it sounds like reading and reacting, you know, and yes. trying to, to make adjustments uh at that moment and just trying to make this the best decision based on the information that you got i mean if you just follow that in life you're going to be really successful you know because yeah. you know when you make decisions you have to 
you have to weigh everything out. You have to look at the whole picture and then make your decision. So I think that's, you know, fantastic for young ladies moving forward. So now here you are, you're at Paul the Six. Um, let's talk about the history of, of the team. Um, you know, what was it like, you know, uh, you know, earlier in the early years uh, before you got there and, and then now going forward? So PVI has, has a rich history, but it also follows that similar cycle, you know, that high school programs go through. Um, in the early 70s, they were elite. Um, they had a state title in 73 where they had Mary Scharf, who was a Mighty Mac. So went to Immaculata and had a phenomenal, you know, they made a movie about that program. Uh, Donna Camardo, who is now just a legend at the school because she's been around. She's given back so much. She coached at Cherokee for a brief time. She coached at PBI. Uh, Vicki Orzakowski, who's heavily involved in the South Jersey game with the Carino Club. Um, Deirdre Kane, who was, you know, a long time, I think, Hall of Fame coach at Westchester University. So they just had just such a rich history. Um in that 70s time. And then, you know, they went through that cycle. Then back in the late 80s, uh, Martina Atanasi, her group, you know, God rest her soul. She had a, she had an early passing when she was right after high, high school. So she didn't get to show her stuff at the University of Oregon, but she created some special memories at PBI. And then since then, again, it's followed that cycle where they've had good years. They've had above 500 years. They've had good playoff years, but then they've also had a season where they won less than 10 games, you know? So when I got hired, they had a solid team. Um, I replaced the guy who, uh, who actually took over from Ms. Camardo and he's a great guy, um, highly motivated. His daughters played, he was highly invested, uh, but he was there for one year. And then I came in um, and, I fully appreciate and understand now why they give college coaches five-year contracts for first jobs, because to build a program, it takes that time. You know, you have your players that you come in, you have players that come in to play with you. Um, you develop your program, you install your culture. And um, we now just have a special group. You know, I'm in year seven. So we've been able to build this special group that has a great mix of competitive spirit, um, talent and just good character. And, and it's paid off. You know, we've, we're 115 and 57 since I've gotten here. Um, but my biggest success to date, just as a coach personally is six division three players, two division two players and two division one players. And, you know, that's the ultimate, we want these girls to succeed at the next level, you know? And then the other thing is I had a young lady who didn't even play. She's being featured on a Ted talk at university of sciences in, in the next few months. Uh, so seeing that uh, really just makes it a fulfilling position. So that, you know, since I've been there, that's kind of been a great, you know, piece of our history as well. Wow, that's fantastic. So um, can you talk about if you've had any like recent success since you've been there? Like what, if, what were your most successful years since you became coach? So if you look at the win-loss record, our 16-17 season was was great, you know. Um, and then the, the years after that were learning experiences. Um, and then last year was really when we've kind of started to turn the corner to like regional national recognition. Um, last year we were 24 and 3. Um, we really did some damage, but St. Rose was just a great team. And part of the growth process, you know, we lost that game, but we really have learned to kind of grow and adapt. This year, you know, with the COVID year and the shortened season, we've had the freedom to schedule. And in order to go play these games, you have to, like South Jersey basketball, we play against each other. 
you know? And then what we do is we go up for the playoffs and we're not used to playing that shore style or the North Jersey style. And these are tradition programs. Like to get out of our section, we have to compete with Red Bank Catholic, St. John Vianney and St. Rose. Just It's kind of like group three all over again in 04. So building the team to do that um, has been a process and we've turned a corner. Um, and then this year we're, we're playing with all of them. So next year when it's for real and there's like win or go home at the, at, at stake, it's like, okay, we've been here. We've been in this gym. We've played with this style, you know, we know what we can do. So we learn from our experiences now and then we'll, you know, we hope to build on them moving forward. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you mentioned those three teams. If you look at NJ.com's top 20, it's SJV mm-hmm. number one. Uh, yeah. Red Bank Catholics, and I couldn't tell you what number, but they're in the top 10. And they're number they're five. <laughs> and then, you know, you got St. Rose, who's probably, I think, just outside the top 10. So you figure yeah. you have to go and through three, three top teams five. just to try and make it to states. I mean, to the tournament and champion, right? Three Hall of Fame coaches at that, yeah. you know? You know, people that I really respect um, that just have done it for years now. Right, and, and you're talking about you know, you're proud of the fact that you're taking these kids uh, to, to be able to play at the different levels. Look at look at uh, look at the teams out there. They're producing Division One, Division Two, and Division Three players every year. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you know the the players and the quality of players that they're getting is just amazing. And I think that we can do that in South Jersey. It's just that like when you came up, you know, you played against the best of the best you know, uh, and, and it made you better. So I think right now, for some reason, you know, everybody, it's like, we're, we're, it's like we're in quarantine, but all the time, like we don't go outside of our, our, our town, you know, we don't yeah. mix with any other kids. We don't, you know, we don't uh, practice with any other kids. And, and if you look at the shore, I think one of the keys to success for them is they all train together. They all mm-hmm. practice together. They all hang out together. They're all friends. So I think mm-hmm. that, that kind of adds to the intensity level when the games come up because you already know these kids. You've practiced with them. You've played with them. You're on AU teams with them. You know, you hang out together during the summer. You go to camps together. So now it like builds up that rivalry. But in the, in the same uh, in token, it just makes the quality of basketball that much better. So one of the things that I would like to see, I know it's ahead of the game. You know, we talk, you just talk about towards the end is how do we get the best of the best in South Jersey to practice, to train, and to play with each other, you know, out, you know, outside, uh, you know, just for fun, you know, just to get together. Because if you want to be the best, you got to play with the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how do you know that's something we only need to talk about? Well, you know what's funny? When we were going back and forth on Twitter a few weeks ago, talking about pickup, that yeah. it, I, when I got hired at PVI, I, I outwardly said, you know what I really want to do? I want to call this high school, this high school, this high school, and just see if they want to get the girls to play pickup, yeah. not a workout, not anything. Let's just get together and play. And I, it looked, I got eyes like, are you nuts? Like what's wrong with you? And I just sat and no one's going to go for that. And then I sat there like, why? And I know as a private school coach, there's that like, oh, are you going to try to take our kids? Right. I just want the kids to play. Um, and so then the other element was that in the, one of the seasons we lost just before I had the baby, um, we ended our season. I was going to CrossFit the next morning 
and I'm looking on my Twitter and basketball warehouse is having 6 a.m. pickup. And this is like after teams are being knocked out of the playoffs. And I called my dad. I felt it was 730 in the morning. I said, this is why Central Jersey is beating us. This is why it's hard to go because these girls are playing all the time. I don't know. what. I, and look, I have a great group of girls. I'm not saying this to go. But I was like, are we playing pickup? <laughs> you know, so I really think South Jersey needs to come together. And when you talk about training together, look, we, we want to put a great product from March or uh, from November to March. Yes, we compete. We compete yeah. against each other and it's fierce, but we got to put a good product out there. Let the kids play against each other. You know, like the parents, everybody's got to kind of get over this whole, like, well, I don't want you to know what I'm doing and this and that. And, and I, you know, the big, bad AAU teams, I'm a proponent of AAU. That's where they get to play the competition. You know, again, it takes a village. We as high school coaches, you know, the, high, the AAU coaches, the trainers, I think if everybody kind of played all the time and kind of got out there and did, but the kids also going to want to play all the time too you know? Yeah. So it's a, a mix. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I would I'm love passionate it. About that. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, when I started the podcast last year, I was going, I was interviewing players and I was actually, you know, messaging the parents and saying, Hey, you know, would you, if, if we actually organize something in the park, you know, I didn't know that it was going to be like a year or two later that we'd still be in quarantine. So I kept on saying, if we organize like a little barbecue and we played pickup, would you, would your daughter be interested in coming? Yeah. And I think every person that I messaged said, yes, they would love yeah. it. You know? Because then the parents can hang out. I think, you know, that makes it more fun. I mean, one of the things I like about going to SJBIT tournament is you see a lot of parents from other teams and everybody's like yeah. talking, you know, it's a good way to get together. And I think, until we get to the point where we're all friendly and we get to know each other, you know, yeah, I think yeah. that our kids are going to, you know, kind of be stagnant and we're going to be here. If we want to get yeah. better, we have to, you know, support each other. We have to, you know, not be afraid to pick up. I think people are afraid to be play pickup because they're afraid of looking bad in front of others. They're like you, you said, maybe they're afraid of recruiting, but to me, like you got to put yourself on the line. Like you have to be willing to, to grow and to learn somebody, you know, has a good game one day and, and shut you down, hopefully it'll motivate you, inspire you to go and train and have a better game next time. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're going to go home and get upset about it and not want to play again, then maybe you're not in, you know, competitive enough to play at the next level. So we need to get people there who want to play in college to want to train with each other. Like I would love to get some girls that are home from college because a lot of these girls lost their, their season. You know, let them come. They need to get in shape. Our girls need to get in shape. doesn't have to be anything serious. You know, go yeah. down to the park. You know, we'll just play. So that's that's my hope. I, I'm hoping that yeah. happens. And I I really think, to be honest, to get that to happen in this environment is going to have to be grassroots. Like tech parents texting each other, um, people get just connecting um, from different areas, using just the different uh just connectors right networkers connect where uh, hey i'll give you the phone number of this parent you give me the phone number of this parent let's just text and let's just all get our kids together at this uh because i'll be honest growing up too like when i played my neighborhood was stacked like now mind you i was the only girl in my neighborhood but i would play pickup with um kyle hines who plays in the euro league still i would play pickup with his little brother who wound up playing uh, and then we had a kid named Omar Greer who was younger than us, like a lot younger, but he played at Bradley and Rutgers and our neighborhood at 11 AM, I'd hear the ball dribble past my house and I knew they would go. And I would tell my mom, all right, can I go? And we would play from like noon till 5 PM. So it, you know, it wasn't our high school coaches. It wasn't our parents organizing it. It was us. 
Uh, so I think it's a mixture of elements, but I also do think that if we really um, want to get buy-in, finding the coaches who are open to it, receptive to it, and and willing to grow the game that way, because if you talk to coaches, they're all like, hey, the kids need to play. We need to play pickup. The kids don't play pickup anymore. And it says, well, how are we, how are we facilitating that? You know, I mean, I do all my skills workouts, which hopefully elevates their game, but in our summer workouts, we play half of the workout, half is skills, but you got to play because if we want to develop decision makers, read and react, you know, they have to experience it. Not everything's going to be a scripted drill. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's where they're going to get the most, you know, development is, you know, you learn it in practice or they learn it in the training, but then how do you apply it? You know, they learn all these fancy yeah. moves, but then they never get a chance to use them. So that's the place to try a move this, you know, in, in the game situation yeah. where you know, you're down by two, you maybe don't want to do some crazy move, but in a game where you're just messing around with friends, you know, yeah. why not try it? Why try that shot or, or you know what I mean? Try that play. Yeah. So that's, that's just fantastic. So, so last year, you know, you, I thought you had a pretty, you know, successful season, you know, you, you, you know, you, you had to make it through uh, your group. Um, yeah. You talk about, you know, what you, I guess what your expectations wow. were last year with the group of kids that you had. Um, going going into the season last year yeah so last year in my mind as the head coach it was a litmus test uh, I knew going in we had great talent I, I I knew that but I really needed to find out one you know how the chemistry would be and two how the youth will adapt to the high school game look I knew we had elite talent like I knew there was girls transferring in I knew that our talent in the program had grown but you have to show up and play you know, you could have all the write-ups in the world. You can have all of the hype coming back, but, you know, so it had to show up and play. Um, I went in with game goals. I took it one game at a time, right? And they were technical goals um, and aspects of the game that we wanted to achieve um, where if we accomplished them and if we practiced those skills, then we could compete at a high level. It's the little things that win games. So um, because just to win our section, we had to go through good programs with tradition, instead of worrying about let's do this and let's win this game, instead of being outcome-based, we were process-based. So we focused, I, I read a lot of books and John Gordon, um, you went in the locker room first, focus on the root and not the fruit. So if I got the young ladies to focus on get that next rebound or get that a, a strikeout, three stops in a row, um, that made the girls take the emotion out of it and remain intense, but focus on the technical piece of the game and not your last missed shot. Not I airballed it and there's people yelling at me in the stands. You can't like the next play, you got to focus on where do I need to be? So, you know, I wanted to see where we were at, which was very good. You know, I was excited about how we performed, but then I also wanted to have our youth focus again on process based, you know, process-based improvement and not just the outcome. Because think about it, you could lose a game based on a referee's call and that's not in your control. You could lose a game because, you know, a star player, God forbid, sprains an ankle. That's not in your control. So what we did was focus on the controllables. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's funny that you mentioned John Gordon because he's one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter mm -hmm. and on, on Facebook, because I feel like when I see his posts, it gets me to really mm -hmm. think about things and he, and it helps me. It always seems like the timing is right where it puts 
a lot of things that are going on into perspective. So I feel like yes. sometimes if my mind is like going crazy, you know, I'm yeah. able to better focus a little bit because of, you know, I see a lot of these positive messages, him for one, I look at and I'm like, okay, let me just focus yeah. on this for today or let me just control the things that I can control and try to block out all the outside noise, uh, which is fantastic. So do you have like a standout game from last year that you'd want to talk about with, uh, with our so audience? I don't mean to bring a, a sore subject, but um, that Cherokee game was huge. It just yeah, energy wise. Yeah, it was, um, so it was a fun game and it was a statement game, right? To get respect because, you know, I, like in South Jersey, I know I'm competitive. I know I have a reputation for the sharpest elbows probably in my time. Like I know the history of just like my relationships with others because of that competitive nature. Um, so in order to get that respect, I knew just from others, we had to beat everybody in South Jersey. In order for them to really believe, oh, is PVI really number one? We had to go out and beat Cherokee, who was number one at one point, and then Morristown Friends, and then Clearview to just say, hey, we're here. We are number one. We're better. You know, we, we are better this year than anybody else. Um, so I really felt like that game um, really was an energy giver and also was just a confirmation that we are because number one, like you have to win and be the best where your feet are at. Like in order for us to go and play in New York and to play in DC, you know, you gotta be number one where you live. Um, you can't look outward and not be the best in your area. Um, but then, you know, the girls played together as a team. You can see it from the bench. There's images, like there's one image of Han like Hannah fouled out of that game. And it, it could have been a game where she sulked and sat on the bench. But there is an image of me like running down the sideline of her like elated, skipping, but I'm like, get off the court, you know, just like pushing her off the court. Um, and we had the skips down the court. It was just fun. And you could feel that energy. So that was just a great memory because the girls played at a high level, but had fun. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, my daughter had just got back. That was her. She just got cleared by the doctor. She was out for an ankle injury. She hurt herself in the Montgomery game. I think she missed like 13 games and she mm -hmm. just got cleared that morning to, to, to be able to play. But since it was mm -hmm. her first day back, I mean, we already knew that she was going to get limited minutes. I think she might've played like two minutes the whole game. But the one mm -hmm. thing I'm going to tell you that that game did for Cherokee is it made them get their focus better and make a run going into the playoffs. And I think without that loss to BVI, I think that the, the road to going to the finals, which we never got a chance to, would have been difficult. I think we might have had an, uh, you know, an issue where we got like, deeper in the playoffs. But I think that Paul the sixth game got everybody refocused, remotivated, and said, hey, you know what? We just got knocked down. We got to go back to work. So, you know, Paul the sixth in winning that game, it helped you and it was good motivator for you but it also helped us. And I think that's something that nobody really talks about. It's healthy competition. And I think yeah, that yeah. that's what really the pickup is. You know, if you and I are training together and we both get better, we both benefit from it. And, you know, we both have great attitudes and it's, it's healthy where it yeah. becomes unhealthy is if, you know, if you're, if you have poor sportsmanship, if you make excuses, if you don't have accountability and mm -hmm. you have hard feelings towards, towards other people, um, you know, you just have to respect others. I mean, at that day, it was Paul the Six, Paul the Six game. You know, they won the game. You know, they proved on the court. 
There's nothing else that we could do that day. But we could go back to the drawing board. We can go back to practice. We can go to work. And then we just attack our next goal. And that's what we need, what we really needed to do. So it helped Paul the Six, and it also helped Cherokee. So I think in the grand scheme of things, maybe a lot of Cherokee fans uh, maybe won't admit it, but that loss helped us, you know, because to go undefeated for a year is very, very difficult because the next game is pressure, pressure, pressure. So it almost took that pressure off. Okay, we got that loss. We got the loss against a really good team. Now we just play. So, I mean, it was very impactful for, for both programs. So why don't we yeah. transition to this year and talk about, you know, how things are different. You know, you got the 15 games. Um, you know, what kind of adjustments did you make for your team trying to get ready for the season? So, um, again, necessity breeds innovation. So preparing for the season, the summer, I mean, I – being on quarantine, I I was blessed where my job wasn't affected. I, you know, obviously I teach, so I was, I had to work, but then I wasn't worried about my next paycheck. So as a result of just being lucky, um, I had some reflection time, you know, I had a lot of time at home where I could, I didn't, I wasn't bombarded with AAU practice, softball practices. I was um, at home thinking about, all right, how do we get better? How can I serve the girls better? And to prepare, um, first we did the virtual workouts. You know, I did, I followed the rules. So whatever the state says, I didn't push anything. I followed the rules. Cause one, you know, obviously you want to be a rule follower. You want to do, you want to do the right thing, but then two, you know, my family, I have, my parents are above 65. So I have high risk, you know, my sister has a job where she can't miss time. So I wanted to be respectful just of that um, because we all kind of help with, with my toddler, you know? Um, So we did the virtual workouts. Then once we got clear for the outdoor workouts, that's when we really started to do those in the summer. Um, And again, trust is spelt T-I-M-E in my mind where the more trust you build with your teammates is, you know, correlated to how much time you work with them. Um, like you said, training together. So we did that. Then, um, in the summer, as things were still cleared, we went, we played in no boys allowed because St. John Manning was there, Rutgers prep, Trenton Catholic, Hudson Catholic. So I know that to not be shell-shocked when you go play them in the playoffs, get used to playing them. I was like, oh, we played these girls up in Elizabeth. Like, we know their tendencies. We know their games. And we had, like, a really tight one-point game that we won against University High School, and it was fun. It was energetic. It was competitive. And we won. So then the girls start to taste that success. Then we went and played in Golden Hoops, where we played Amari DeBerry, O'Hara, Carroll. Um, So... I did what I could to test them and push their limits. And then once uh, the virtual session started to really prepare for the season, I didn't want COVID to hit us. So part of those sessions were team building, but a good chunk of every session I went over, all right, socially distanced. If you get invited to parties, I know you guys are 14, 15, 16, but like, please don't go to parties right now. You know, just let's team build, let's buy into each other and bond and, do what we can do for each other so we can play, you know? So that's kind of, it was a lot. Um, We had open gyms. I had to develop our YouTube channel so colleges can see our kids. Um, But again, you know, we, you adapt and, and you move on. Life goes on. We couldn't stop living and developing just because we were hit with this, with this unique circumstance. Yeah. I hear you on that. So let's talk about maybe, you know, your standout players and how your team changed um, graduating some girls from last year and then moving into uh, to this season? 
So when, I, when it comes to this topic, I really always try to hone in on the fact that we have a team, a varsity team of 10 kids. And all of those kids can go to their public schools or go to other programs and be starters, leading scorers, leading everything. And, and that's what makes them a special brand of kid because, you know, and that's also what makes them highly recruitable because these are kids that looked out of their cells, out of their, you know, their box of their personal world. Um, and they went to a place where they love the program they love each other and they're invested in their personal, their academic and their athletic development here, you know? So uh, when I talk about the young ladies, we just have multiple girls that could, who can play at the next level, who are gonna play at the next level. You know, our one senior's going division two, our other two seniors are going division three. And then we have multiple division one players, you know, being recruited in the underclass. But, um, you know, but then also to build, we do have a young lady who is super special, Hannah Hidalgo. She's been invited to USA Invitational Camps. She already has caught the eye of some McDonald's All-American Committee, you know, the voters. So <clears throat> she has more to prove. Um, and now she's kind of got this resume. So she's special enough where she could eventually make that case to be a USA Today player, to be a USA, um, you know, a, a United States national, you know, you, you whatever team player. Um, and, and she's just got time. So, you know, that is good. But as a whole, you know, you can't play one alive. You know, if she inbounds the ball and then catches it herself, that's a violation, you know? So we've had, we just have a collective group of just special players to, to really help each other out. So um, let's talk about, you know, the schedule um, that you chose okay. for this year. So, you know, I do, I do notice that, you know, obviously you have the teams from South Jersey that you play that are in the Olympic conference. Um, but then I did, you know, everybody saw that, you know, you went and you played against, um, you know, Stewart, you played against, you just played against uh, Trenton Catholic. Um, you just played mm -hmm. against St. John Vianney. So what made you, uh, as a coach, you know, decide that, you know, this year I want to play these teams. Without playoffs, you know, there's no scouting. There's no, you have to beat somebody twice. So it's like, hey, let's go play the best of the best. We, we want to have a fun year. We want to really like show people what we're about, you know. Um, for some of our young ladies, they're getting recruited by Division One schools. And some of them are trying to get accolades nationally you're going to get those accolades and you're going to get recruited by playing the best talent. College coaches aren't watching film against, you know, a, a, a team that you can beat by a hundred points. College coaches are now seeing your film against a Katie Hill, who's going to a mid major going to, you know, against um, just a number of players who are a Madison St. Rose, who's going to a Princeton, um, you know, so we're getting that. And that was the first piece. The second piece is no one will play us in South Jersey except for Cherokee and a couple other teams, you know, um, if they don't have to. So that, um, you know, it is what it is. I would like to play some local games, but I think for travel and stuff, but we're not afraid to go anywhere. And the other piece is by these teams dropping us, it gave us more freedom. And those games are just fun to play in. You know, West Orange, we, we played really well, but going against a, a dynamic player like Kylie Capstraw, who had 44 points the other night, she didn't do that against us, you know, but that presents a unique 
um, just circumstance a scout for us. Um, you know, Coach Fusick said it in our article. He said us playing them really forced them to play a different style of game. So for PVI, us playing Vienna, Immaculate, Montclair, uh, Stort, all different rosters, all different skill sets. We had one with six four, six five, one was six six, five ten, one. So now in a week, you know, it pushes me as a coach because I now have to develop my skills of scouting and making in-game decisions and making practice decisions, but it also develops our girls because they have to adapt as well. Um, and again, one, you know, we're going to have to play these teams down the line. So we're not going to be shell-shocked. And then two, this college, this film that we're getting, um, you know, it's an easy sell for college coaches. It's not me calling my friends, begging them to check a kid out because of our relationship and do me a favor. This is like, Hey, no, this kid had a double, double against Vianney. Like Sarah McShay had a double, double against Vianney. Like if you weren't really sold on her, you need to see how her body's changed. You need to see how she's been playing. Like you need to watch this kid because you should be recruiting her. You know, Niall Miller's been playing that way too. We got a freshman Sharia Baines, McKenna Fodor's getting looks. It's just, all of these young ladies that are, are getting these looks that they deserve. So, you know, we try to, like I said, put them in the best position to succeed. Now, just curious, will you get your 15 games in like with a schedule or no? Knock on wood. I mean, we have 15 you have scheduled. <laughs> you have 15 scheduled? Yeah. So we played seven. Um, we have three scheduled this week and then we have four scheduled the following week. Um, so, hopefully, you know, hopefully we stay safe. Hopefully these other teams stay safe. Um, and then we have a couple, we have Saddle River Day on speed dial. So if we, if we lose a game, I, I can call Saddle River. Um, and then university high school's called. So I have two options where if we lose a game, I have two people I can call right away. Um, because we want to play. And I actually had somebody, you know, yesterday we lost to TCA and I was like, oh, like I got to go watch the film and we got to, everything's fixable and everything. And then the person, two people stopped me and they said, Lisa, you're playing, you're getting your kids film. You know, you've played like be, there are kids not playing right now. I was like, all right, I get it. Perspective, you know, puts it in perspective. Yeah. It's hard because, you know, one team goes down and then it's it just like a domino effect. And depending yeah. on how quick you can get a game, like, you know, I was listening to, uh, Mike Callahan's podcast today, uh, you know, at five, and he was saying that um, John Considine and Anthony Corrado were able to get a game like overnight. I mean, that's yeah. really, really rare. I mean, for us, I think getting a game is going to take a couple of days, especially if you're going to be traveling, you got to organize that mm -hmm. bus, you got to create with the ADs. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, getting these 15 games in is going to be very tough for, I'd say, a majority of the schools across the state with the snow being canceled. Uh, and just yes. now that you're limited, like if you're, if you need to make up days, I mean, you're going to be, you know, it's going to be very tough because now you're against the clock, um, yeah. which is, which is going to be, you know, very, very challenging. So I do want to ask you a question and we didn't talk about this before. So I was actually pleasantly surprised that you're going to play Cherokee. So how, how did that work out? I mean, the, the schedule just happened. <laughs> I hope it's confirmed. I hope I'm not speaking, but it, it, it pretty much, so we kind of knew that we were going to lose Thursday's game. Okay. So re reaching out, um, you know, Donna Camardo used to teach at Cherokee. So she still has relationships there and she reached out and we're going to come to you guys. Um, hopefully that's all confirmed. It's, <laughs> but, it's on our calendar on the, it's on our um, calendar. Okay, so perfect. I'm assuming. So it's 12 o'clock on Saturday. So for anybody listening, 12 o'clock Saturday, yeah. it's going to be a really awesome game. And yeah. I think it'll be my, my first game I'll be able to go to maybe. 
It's my, yeah, my, my work Tuesday, Thursday. We'll see. I might try to go Thursday, but Saturday, yeah. I'm going to try and get there. So, yeah. So we, um, so I, I kind of queued it up. Um, we did talk to the AD of the other school to kind of give a heads up, like, Hey, I, I don't know what your schedule is like, but we have this option. Let us know if you want to play because the game is scheduled with you. So out of respect for you, we'll play you if we can. Um, but then, uh, it, it just, you know, we got snowed out and we had this game and Cherokee was ready to go and we were willing to go to them. So it's exciting. I'm just so happy. We only have to travel 20 minutes instead of like yeah. an hour and 20. So it's yeah, it's good. fun. It's ex- yeah. To me, I was excited. Like, I think I was the last person in my family to know. So I'm sitting there at the house and I, you know, like I try to leave, you know, Gabby alone. And, um, uh, mm-hmm. so I just happened to look at the schedule and I'm like, Paul the six. When yeah. wait, we already played Paul the six. So I looked down at the date. And I'm like, oh, it's this. What? It's a week from? No way. So then I'm like, yeah. did you know this? You're like, oh yeah, we knew about that already. I'm like, well, how come nobody tells me? I'm like, nobody. Tells me <laughs> so yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's cool. I think it's nice that you know the teams get to play. Um, you know, it's an extra bonus because we were only gonna play, we only would play each other once anyway in a normal yeah. year. Uh, because you guys are a different, what, different division than us, right? Yeah, yeah. So, although we're in the Olympic, and I think a lot of people don't understand that. You know, Cherokee and Paul the Six are on different um, divisions for the Olympic Conference. So, typically, yeah. they would only play each other, you know, maybe that one game, uh, and that's it. So, to play this this uh, this home and away this year, um, that's probably, to me, something that's really special, you know, with the quarantine, which is pretty cool. So, I'll be looking forward yeah. to that. Um, yes. So why don't you talk about, you know, the keys to success for your team? Like, what do you tell your girls? Um, hey, look, this is what we need to do uh, each and every game in order to be, you know, uh, competing uh, at a high level and to be successful. So what are some things you tell your girls? So I, each year I evaluate and I like to do everything in threes because I think just mentally, if I give them 30, I, we do PVI tough and there's 37 elements that make you tough, but <laughs> they're not going to remember that. So um, our culture is built on that. We focus on one thing, practice to be PVI tough, but each year I go in with three focuses. So um, this year, rebounding, conditioning, and decision-making with the shortened year conditioning is critical. You know, we lost our Cherokee game would have in a regular season been our third scrimmage, you know? So yeah. it's, it, it was a rat race to get conditioned. Um, but it keys us to do those little things. Like we have the tools to be successful, um, but to be elite now it's like the ultimate details, you know? Um, so it's not just the mental, but it's the diet, it's the physical, it's the effort and practice. You know, we played store in St. John back to back. So my text to them the night before was great job today, but don't eat fast food, please sleep, put your legs up, take an ice bath. Um, and we focus on those details. But, you know, if you look at a game like yesterday, we got out rebounded 47 to 23 and watching film with our girls, they're open to it. But we went over like your body positioning here, you know, not looking and then going to a girl, like actually just going and actively rebounding with your feet. Um, so it's, you know, it's exciting, but every year I hold it to three and this year it's rebounding, conditioning and decision-making. Okay, that's fantastic. So we're gonna get ready to wrap things up. Um, you know, the one question I do always ask, um, because I look, you know, everybody has different ideas. And I think that, you know, if we all can come up with something and then just take the best ideas and put them together, uh, I think it's going to help our community. So, you know, what's something that you think that we can do that we can add that we can change that's going to help grow the sport and really the talent in South Jersey, uh, Mm -hmm. girls basketball. 
So I go back to doing things in threes. I have three right. things. So um, I think first and foremost is this, you got to put a good product on the floor. Um, you know, it, it's like the NBA or the WNBA, like people aren't going to come watch. People aren't going to come support. People are not going to give exposure. If you don't have a good product, like if we would have gone to play any of these teams and we got blown out by 50, that's, you know, not always fun to watch. Right. So developing the talent young and then having a breath of talent. Um, I played for a young, uh, well, I played for Nancy Doherty. She passed away in 2016. She coached Laura Harper and developed her from, you know, a, long arm, gangly, awkward girl to a Hall of Famer at University of Maryland, a WNBA player. Um, so for me personally, continuing her legacy, developing girls um, young, those fundamentals, and then hopefully sticking with them so they can be just elite high school players. So putting the product, then we got to get out there. You know, coaches can't just stay in the area to collect wins. You know, um, you know, if I wanted to win, go 15 and 0, I could have just called up friends. I could have got bartered and figured out how to play local games and get our 15 wins and then be gone. But it's, it's really not about that. You know, individual achievement is worth it when you're doing it and there's a challenge. You know, you just feel more fulfilled when, you know, you're developing groups of young ladies to achieve through adversity instead of just something easy. Um, so just for teams that can comp compete, you know, it builds respect. College coaches, they'd rather see a kid do a double-double against traditional St. John Vianney versus doing having a double-double against, you know, Sister Mary of the Poor, you know? So um, it's that exposure and that competition. And then the last thing is we got to just keep doing stuff like this. Um, I grew up, my dad's a Philly guy, you know, Delco guy. And he, um, we listened to Sunny Hill in the morning on, in the living room with Sunny Hill, 8 AMs. Um, and I, you know, when I was young, I didn't really appreciate it. But then as I got older, I still listened to it in college in DC. I streamed it into my dorm room because you hear these stories and like me, I'm a hoop chunky. Like I have a picture of John Havlicek hanging in my house. You know? So I love the stories, but then you learn the game and you could take pieces from it. Um, these bloggers up, like I, I started tweeting with Nick Lowe and he helped shared with me, you know, all the streaming access for the shore and working with the trainers up in New York and keeping the relationships from when I was a college coach, because then, like you said, people are now starting to talk about us a little bit more. And sometimes basketball is the politics of sight. So if these, these evaluators who are credible and if these bloggers who are very credible and everything like that, and they start seeing your product and you have a good product, it's just going to get it out there. You know, it's just, but what you got to develop the talent first to have something good to put out there because then they're going to be the people who are really credible and know what they're doing. They're going to be like, yo, come on, like not yet. You got to go get better, you know, and then come back. But um, it is keep doing this because then that's just going to promote our game and also just promote community. It keeps us together because I feel like sometimes South Jersey isn't always just together and supportive of each other. I think a lot of us are competitive and a lot of us are territorial and they, they don't come around and support. They just like kind of, you know, do their own thing instead of being collective yeah. for the girls. I think, about uh, I, I think that that's totally, the, the, you know, you nailed the, you nailed it right on the head. Uh, you know, you, we just have to put egos aside and yeah. uh, we need to come around and we need to support people like, uh, you know, if they come out of South Jersey, there are, I, mean, I said this to, to Jay, I said, there are girls, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't think of it as 
the competition. You can't say, oh, I like that girl just because you know, their team happened to beat you or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. there are girls. They're South Jersey. So why, why not root for anybody from South Jersey? So, like, uh, when the Lakers won, the head coach was from Wildwood. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. these are things that we should be proud of. We need to be proud of things that are from South Jersey. If we yeah. don't promote South Jersey, if we don't support South Jersey, then it's, you know, it's just not going to go anywhere. And I think that's something that needs to happen. Um, yeah. The friendships that you said, the, the um, you know, the relationship that you're making with different people is important. Uh, and uh, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll share this with you. And I shared it with you earlier. You know, my, this podcast was born uh, out of a couple things. Number one, I was, you know, sitting at uh, the shore versus the South Jersey that Anthony uh, Corrado put together at mm-hmm. RV. And I, I was sitting there and I met Nick Lowe on on Twitter and we finally met each other that day. And then Gary Linton happened to be there. So all three of us were talking throughout the day. And then Nick and I still uh, became friends. I mean, he and I, actually, he was calling me earlier. I owe him a phone call. Sorry, Nick. Um, and, and we still talk every day. We text each other. But he was one of the ones that got me into it. So when Sh- when Shawnee and Cherokee were playing for the South Jersey Four, uh, Group Four uh, finals, sectional finals, he was like, oh, you know, we need to know about these players. You know, we need to know about these players. You know, we need somebody to blog about it. And I'm like, I'm not comfortable with my writing. You know, I'm happy that I can write there and there. And I know the difference. And you're and you and you are. I know the difference between them, too. But I don't Mm. know that my writing is just fantastic. But Nick turned me on to it. He says, hey, look, man, I'm just starting this new thing. I'm doing a podcast. I'm interviewing players. I'm like, well, what is it? He started explaining to me. I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. He's like, look, I'll show you how to do it. So he calls me up on the phone one day and he walks me through it. And pretty soon uh, I'm interviewing Nia Scott. She was my first one because we knew yeah. the family. We we're friends. And then now here I am and I'm following his his lead and, and with his you know help. And I'm interviewing the coaches and, you yeah. know, the coaches are loving it. The players are loving it. Alumni is loving it. And it's just nice for South Jersey. So for those of you who haven't been interviewed yet, I, I will interview anybody and everyone not saying that you're not anybody i'm just saying that yeah. like i'm only one person so i can only get around so i shared yeah. with uh I, I shared with the coach coach Steele earlier that my goal is if we make it to the season and i don't get as many coaches i want i'm going to try to do a coach and a player a week and profile them until we get to the summertime so that's my my ultimate goal but uh this was fantastic you know Thank love, you. Yes, I appreciate this. Seriously, I, thank you for doing this. I again. love talking to you. I love your stories. I mean, you. what, I, what I really think we should do is we should come up with some kind of like leadership something. I don't know what you want. I've mentioned to a couple people and maybe not on the podcast, but like for these girls who want to play in college, yeah. let's let's come up with something where we can even just do something like a Zoom day and have different guests come on and talk about, you know, what college coaches like what they're expecting, how to pick a good school, how do you know it's the right fit, um, how, how do you pick the right school academically, how, how can you be happy in college and enjoy doing what you love but pursuing your career, and, and different things like that, like stuff that's going to help the girls be successful because, I mean, going forward, we're producing these girls as talents here in South Jersey, mm-hmm. but let's keep it going so that when they go to college, you know, they're, they're able to kind of adjust adapt and to be successful as well. I mean, preparing them at one level, AU, now you got high school and then the college. So I would love to come up with some kind of leadership academy. Uh, that was my like my thing or leadership seminar or a symposium, you know? 
You know what's interesting? I started this year. I got the idea from Randy Westroll, longtime AAU coach, longtime athletic director at Holmdale High School, Captain's Council. And that's it, you know, it's not exactly your idea, but it's it is molding our leadership. So once a week I meet with my captains. This is my first year doing it. He gave me the idea in the fall. And it's it's talking and developing those leadership um, you know, skills through conversation. So Hey, you want to do it? Whatever you need, you know, you have my contact, you know, we're here for the girls, you know, that's, that's our, that's what we're charged to do as coaches. So um, whatever resource I can provide you, you know, just let me know. Sounds great. I'm telling you uh, it's going to be there. So my next, my next plan is to go to live podcast, mm -hmm. which you, I'm sure you're going to be a returning guest. Uh, awesome. And then from there, I'm telling you, I would love to organize stuff. Cause I just, I was a psych major in college Mm -hmm. So that whole mental toughness, uh, even just, you know, um, just that mental health is important. And then it's just overwhelming for a girl. So you, you said it earlier, like this is the time where all the hormones are coming. They're not emotionally mature. It's like they're still coming together. You know, we need, they need help and guidance. It's overwhelming. I bet you a lot of these girls commit to schools just because they want to get it over with. Like they don't pick the school yeah. that's the best for them. They're like, this person's calling me, this person's emailing me, this, I, there's so much pressure. Let me just commit to this because my parents want me to go or let me commit to this school because I like the colors they are. I like that name yeah. of the school. And just to get it off their back, but then they realized in hindsight, it wasn't the right fit for them, you know? Yeah. So yeah, we, we gotta do it. So we'll work okay. on that. That's be our next thing. So Lisa, right. you'll, you'll, be my, you'll be on my panel when we start it, so. I'm all for it. All, all right. right. Great. Thank you so much. And good luck to you guys this week. And I can't wait for a good game and good luck to you as well on Saturday. Thank okay? you. Hopefully I'll see you on Saturday. So. All right. I'll make sure to see you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye.